Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Help Me Be Me is self-help for people who hate self-help, hosted by me, Sarah May. What I talk about on this show is my personal opinion, and it's not a substitute for professional help. Take what helps and leave the rest. If you're suffering, please call 911 or your local emergency services. Yay! Yay! Oh, so nice to meet you. What an honor. Oh, thank you. You do such good work. Oh, really? Thank you. Oh, well, you've you've done a little you've done a little work in you. Beautiful, <laughs> beautiful stuff. Wow! Oh my God, my hairs are all standing up. Your authenticity and courage—it's really impressive. Oh my goodness, mm. you're making me glow. <laughs> you know, I heard you talk about shame, and you're so transparent. It's oh, I'm just so grateful you're. So grateful you're in the world. Oh my God, you're gonna make me cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I feel the same way about you. I am um Not in common. <laughs> very humbled to to be able to speak with you today. Um, and I'm a big fan of your work, and I've mm-hmm. recommended your books to my uh clients and my listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for the kind words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um well, I was so just so you know, this is a very casual type of show. I don't do many interviews. And when I do, it's just like, you know, whatever comes up and we go in all different directions. So it's a very kind of free form. And you lead the way and I will be happy to follow. Okay, amazing. Um, well, first, I want to just introduce you. Do you go by? I've read that you go by Katie. Is that right? Byron Katie. Byron Katie. Julie, you just fall into Katie. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, great. Um, Well, the amazing and one and only Byron Katie, um, author, speaker, uh, world changer. I mean, I know you do um, trainings as well. So all different types of work. Um, Any other plugs that I should throw in the mix there? Oh, I do on Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday of every week, I do a nine to 10 a.m. just free for all. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. On um, uh, people can find it on on the work.com, I guess. Oh, great. Okay, I might join that too. Now that I know about it. So that's awesome. Oh, my gosh. It just it's just they're, they're they're just so they're they're it's amazing what they'll ah. Yeah, they're just, um, well, there's nothing I can say about people that you wouldn't understand being connected to them and watching their courage. Mm, I bet. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like church, I, I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> the church from, from well, from, from hell to church, all, <laughs> all within the church. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, but like a replacement for it. I feel like, you know, that's kind of what so many people are searching for in uh just what can replace that level of i guess hu- humble awe 
you know, that you get from being able to be in a pre- the presence of something greater. And I feel like someone like you could probably offer somebody something like that. Um, well, okay. So the part of the reason I wanted to talk with you is just because I feel like so much of what my audience struggles with and what I struggle with is really like disengaging from old thought patterns, teaching ourselves out of them, mm-hmm. um, overcoming kind of like the the kind of emotional baggage that's stuck in your body where yeah. it kind of triggers you to revisit a time and a place. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing I think uh, I love about your work in particular is it's so uh, simple and it's something that people can do to just kind of disengage like see the thinking that's happening in, in their brain and disengage from it and have like an actual choice in their life, whether or not they want to succumb to it and follow it or choose something different, which is kind of like the secret to everything. in in some ways, it's like being able to free yourself from all these old, um, all this old programming. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to start with like a big, big question. Um, how do we let go of stories that kind of keep us trapped in anger and resent? Because I think a lot of people get stuck there. Well, self-inquiry is is um, what I'm all about. And, and it takes a, a very open mind to look into one's self. But let's say um, I have a trauma around someone that was really hurting me really hurting me and um and I would go back and the ego is happy to take us back there because it occurs and occurs and occurs even when it's not even going on it's occurring and we're going on with our day it's it becomes like an habitual thing that we don't even know is there anymore but it's living in us and Mm -hmm. it's part of our identity so um with what i call the judge your neighbor worksheets people anchor in a time and place so in the situation where he was hurting me it doesn't matter if it was 40 years ago or yesterday it doesn't matter it's it's um it's in me Mm -hmm. hurt and it doesn't have to be a trauma it can be like the tiniest little thing when our feelings are hurt can shift the rest of our lives make us so um, uh, self-aware. And then we we offer up these facades we think we can hide behind. And that is just living as living falsely. And, mm-hmm. and we know it, but it's the best we can do. Mm-hmm. So I invite people to, to identify in, in this case, for example, that situation, I don't want to go there to go you know we do it involuntarily it's what the ego offers up so now let's do it on purpose to go back where he was doing that harm he was hurting me in that situation and it takes courage and then identify what I was thinking and believing Mm, cool so it's like a time travel Oh yeah, and I have um, um, I have um, uh, this process is about identifying. Or I'll say it. I'll say it this way, honey. It's it's 
the cause of suffering is what I was thinking and believing in any given situation. It cannot be the perpetrator. And that does not mean he didn't do what he did and say what he said and the whole nine yards. It doesn't let him off the hook. It's just that what I was thinking and believing in the situation that was the cause of my suffering. Mm-hmm. And that is just how it is. So to identify those, I have a thing I call the judge and able worksheet. There are six questions on it. And as we stay anchored in that situation, and again, it takes courage. It's like specifically, what is the emotion? Like all of them running, but name one. What what emotion, you know, do you are you most in touch with? And um and why? Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, I am furious with him because he hurt me. Mm-hmm. And I know where he hurt me, how he hurt me. That's all running in me. He hurt me. Right. I could say more, but I love keeping it simple. Mm-hmm. And um And if there's more there, I wouldn't hesitate to put it. I just want to keep it simple. Yeah. And then the second question there is, in that situation, what did I want? So I've got to sit in that trauma if I'm going to fill in this worksheet. Mm -hmm. What did I want from him? I want him, I wanted him to stop hurting me. Mm -hmm. I want him to hear me. Mm -hmm. I want him to apologize for what he did to me. Mm-hmm. And then when I feel empty, I move to the third question. And that is in that situation, what advice to get what I want? What advice would I offer him? And see, I don't have to guess. It's I'm running. It was running in that situation. I'm just collecting old business. Right, right. Own. So he should, he shouldn't, he should stop what he's doing. He should hear me. He shouldn't hurt. He shouldn't physically hurt. He shouldn't physically hurt me. And it might be physically and emotionally. Mm-hmm. And then the next one on the on the worksheet, there are only six questions to answer. And the next one is, what do I need to be happy in that situation? I need him to stop what he's doing. I need him to apologize and walk away. And maybe not even apologize. I need him to stop what he's doing and walk away. Mm-hmm. I don't even want him to stick around long enough to, poli- to, to apologize. Right. Because I'm in it. You can hear how I'm I'm living through it. Right. So then the um the next one on the judge enable worksheet is um what is it that I never want to experience with him or that situation again? And I never want him to touch me again. I never want to be hurt by him again. And so now the worksheet's filled in. And there is there is what I wanted, what I needed to be happy. What There is my expression that I was experiencing then. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so then I look at each one of those one by one, giving respect to each thought, and I question it. I anchor, I stay anchored in the situation, and I question the thoughts. Like, I want him to stop. Is it true? Yes. I wanted him to stop. And I might go back to the yes and God, that's a, I wanted him to stop. Is it true? It couldn't possibly be no. Mm -hmm. But something tripped me back there. So I'm going to give it time. What opens in that space when we sit in ourselves and there are no other witnesses, it's just me with me. Mm -hmm. Don't know what you're going to find. But until you find it, it's like the princess and the pea. There is there. And those mattresses are on top of us. And we can't just shove them aside. Mm. That's where addiction takes on life. Ooh. So it is just, you know, how do I react when I believe the thought I want him to stop? Let's see, I've been experiencing that for 40 years. Okay. A person that gets still in that, they can see how they react. The thing they're addicted to shows up. And I use the um, uh, example of Imagine right now biting into a big, ripe, juicy lemon. (laughs) And you feel it. Oh, totally. So how do I react when I believe the thought? That physical thing happens. Oh, totally. Yeah. And, And what do we do with that? Then something shows up automatically the Mm -hmm. people offer up the ice cream the dope the cigarette the the, whatever it is Mm -hmm. when it when it when the ego has nowhere to go it offers that up it's got you and then let's say it's alcohol Mm -hmm. you've already had your first drink it's like the lemon your mouth it's already happening and -hmm. nothing happened but an image of of that in your mind times like if you've been alcoholic for so long times a thousand or who knows the number so that's what you're dealing with and then it shows you the ego offers up where to find it where to find the substance and um and you're already there before you're there Mm -hmm. so in that process the six steps after you've done the six steps, then you're doing the process of inquiry, the four questions. We should probably recap the four questions just in case somebody is not is not familiar with your work. The first one is, is it true? Mm-hmm. And then the second one is, um, how do you react? What happens when you think the thought that you're questioning? And who would you be without it? So is it true? How do you react when you think the thought? Mm -hmm. And who would you be without it? And when we look at shame and blame, you know, how do I react when I believe the thought? 
I blame, I feel shame. I'm there and I don't even know I'm there. Mm -hmm. I'm reliving the whole thing and I don't read. I'm asleep in a dream. It's just like being asleep at night, having mm -hmm. a nightmare or just a mild dream. It's the same. It's like it's happening in the day. The life is a um, life is imagination. It's imagined. Mm -hmm. We see the past. We see the future, and we very rarely can stay here because egos, like ego, is showing us other life, another life, past, future. And so, what is the process after the? after I've, so I've stopped, I've done my six questions. Now I've done the four questions mm -hmm. on that first, whatever it is, the first set of this should, I want this to happen. Do I eventually get to the point of practicing not being so invested in those sets of feelings or what is organic? I want him to stop. Is it true? And I really pondered that one. You know, like, if it's true, I can't be a victim. If it's true, I mean, I'm really sitting and I want him to stop. Is it true? Because there's a, there are a lot of perks in being a victim. And, and control over that person. Mm -hmm. I mean, it gets really weird. So I hesitated there. Mm -hmm. And it all depends on the, okay, so is it true? And and I'm landing in, and I really looked at it well. I looked at the yes, I looked at the no. And yes, I want him to stop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I got in touch with it. Not what I'm thinking of believing now. I'm looking at then. I want him to stop. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, how do I react when I believe the thought? And then I look at... Um, I meditate in that. How do I react when I think the thought I want him to stop? And, you know, it's, I just invite people to, to sit in that and see for themselves. You know, I have my own and it's different for every situation that I look at. But um, then the last one, last question, who would I be without the thought? And, um, and, you know, Buddhists talk about compassion and that fourth one, it's where I understood from personal experience, compassion. Would I be without the thought I want him to stop? I can't stop him, you know, because I am witnessing there now, I couldn't. Mm -hmm. But who would I be without the thought I want him to stop? I saw his face. And in this situation, I saw fear all over him. And I just said in that, and compassion just happened. And I'm thinking, and this may sound strange, but what position is, is less painful? And, you know, I'm seeing in that situation mine. Mm. And I saw it. I can't change it. I sit in it. I don't try to change it. I don't try to make it. I don't try to unmake it. 
that fourth question is so powerful. Who would I be without the thought I want him to stop? Or who would I be without my story? Mm-hmm. Plastered all over him at the time. So I get to I get to see without that. So I just drop me, look at him, and wow. So I want him to stop. I want me to stop. There's another turnaround. Okay. What happened, what he did has been years. And when I look at I want me to stop, then it's on it, it's on me, not in a bad way, but just to notice when when it reoccurs, to remember that compassion and have a little of that for myself. And just notice that it's not happening now and experience the release in that, the gratitude of that. And, and it's almost as though compassion has taken it over. But we've only looked at one, it has really had a strong effect there. But we've just looked at one thing on that judge and neighbor worksheet. Mm-hmm. It's one. So if people sit through everything they wrote, they do those four questions and turn around with everything they they wrote. Then um, what happens is um, is it is um, we wake up to ourselves. We wake up to reality. It is um, it's so powerful because it's you with you, and there's no one coming. There's no help, and you're going into that darkness and and uh, seeing what's there and taking responsibility for what I was thinking and believing. Mm-hmm. And he has his. But, and, you know, this is, a, this is a big deal to understand from experience that it's what I was thinking and believing that was the cause of my suffering, not what he was doing. And that doesn't mean it didn't hurt. And that didn't mean, doesn't mean it didn't affect the rest of my life. But I'm awake. Mm-hmm. Taking care of my part. Mm-hmm. And how many times have I had the thought, I want him to stop. I want her to stop. I want them to stop. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. So it wakes me up to the rest of my life just doing that one worksheet. Mm. it's interesting because it's like i mean i have so many things in my brain that are resistant at the same time like i have my adult brain that's like oh i totally can take this apart logically and see all the applicable things that make sense to me and then i have this like resistant part that's like i think more more likely the younger child traumatized part that's like no no but I can't let go I can't let go of that story it's a a big deal because there goes your there goes your identity this Mm -hmm. is a little thing we're sitting in Mm -hmm. so who who am I without that I don't even know I mean I, I there goes my victimhood that's terrifying who am I without that yeah it's um it's um it's uh, it's it's a big ask of oneself. 
Right. Well, and I think the key, at least I'm, this is my interpretation of what you're saying is like, it's not about saying it's okay. And it's not about saying this was, should happen or should ever happen. It's more about reclaiming it your, happened. it happened and re, yeah. me, and that's not right. No, it doesn't, it doesn't change. It, that doesn't change it. Right. But in that process of like this kind of digging in the dark, in many ways, what I'm noticing is like through that excavation process, you can have a choice of putting down the story. I didn't. I won't have a story. It's like I question it and it lets go of me. Yeah. Yeah. I let go of it. It's nothing I have to do. Mm. I, it, it lets go of me. Mm. That's nuts. Yeah. Cause it's true. I mean, I remember it the most with just the, I had a friend who died when I was in, in uh, middle school and she was my best friend and I was the witness to it. And I, in that moment was like, I will never, ever, I like promised it to myself. I will never, ever let go of her. I'll never, ever heal from this. And that lodged so just tightly in my body that I couldn't you know process it because I was like I had chosen not to and I think a lot of matter of integrity you promised mm -hmm, mm -hmm. go against integrity oh can't do that mm -hmm. you know what does that say about me right did so I not mean it so it's, it's a kind in the situation that you're describing it's like a spell we cast on ourselves yeah Totally. Well, and I think a lot of people do that without right. consciously deciding it. When it when something is has hurt us enough, I think we unconsciously decide like I will never ever get over this because well, that's not, how not, much it meant. Yeah, and it's not even safe to. Mm -hmm. Not to remember because that's you know that's a safety thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh boy, boy, oh boy, ego. It's um. Mm. It's worth listening to, and and you know I have an expression: all war belongs on paper, mm. and and that paper are those six questions on the judge and neighbor worksheet. It takes courage to even fill that in. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you ever find that when you're working with people who are in that stage of growth and change that it's too much and they can't can't even fill that out like do people I'm imagining that it would be a lot to to bear you know what I mean it, yeah it, it it can be but it, it's a big ask of oneself but it's nothing anyone has to do mm -hmm. this this is uh, this is true self-help and for me it requires going into the darkness and into the hole, the bottomless hole, not knowing if I'll ever come out again or not. Mm -hmm. That's where I started. And now you might want to adjust your volume for a brief word from our sponsors. <laughs> Can you um, talk a little bit about, because I, I, I've read your books and I know the story, but could you just talk about a little bit about how you arrived at this process of excavation and well, self-inquiry? You know, it was um, um, 
more than a decade, at least a decade of just just self-loathing, um, agoraphobia. Most of the time was just spent in my bedroom, but the house for sure to leave the house was just terrifying. And um, and um, one day as I lay sleeping on the floor, even though there's my bed in the room, I didn't, I'm so full of self-loathing, I didn't believe I even deserved to sleep in a bed. And asleep on the floor, and this bug crawls over my foot. And before my ego could jump in and fill the space, I saw how my world was created. And the way that I saw that was there was nothing that's without identification because there was no thought, no I. When, as that bug crawled over me, I woke up. So in that space, then all of a sudden there was a window and I saw this, this kind of square thing and the word window hit it and then it was a window. So there was the image and the word window. And then light was coming through the window and then there was light. And then the whole world, the whole room came into existence for me, walls, ceiling, floor. And, and I'm still not identified as I. It's just watching the world begin. It was just, and, and I hold that today. Everything's new and I'm open because I understand, open to the world because I understand the nature of everything and its nature is good. It is goodness. And this term we use, love, and there's no, there's nothing other than that, other than what the ego offers up. And we live, we all have the same privilege of living now and everything terrible that has ever happened to us is in our head. We call it the past. But that past is always happening now. Mm -hmm. so that's it's happening in her head. So yes, he did what he did, but it's left in my head. So that makes it mine, not his. So um, I, I, I saw you know, I'm angry at blank because, or I'm terrified at blank because. Get in touch with the emotion, and then. The rest of it is, I want, he should, he shouldn't, or they, whoever it is. And and on, uh, to be happy, I need, it's just that it's all on those six questions on the Judge and Abel worksheet. It's all right there. It's just circular. That's what I learned on the floor. It's just, it's circular. And then the first sound out of me was laughter. Oh, really? Just, <laughs> And, and it, it, that was really strange to laugh. Oh, my goodness. And it was, you know, it's 
it was something, it was involuntary and I didn't stop it. And it just, it just came up. And so that was, that was the first sound. And it's like, I got the joke. I got the joke. It's like, why didn't someone tell me? <laughs> it's so, it's kind of um similar to Eckhart Tolle's story. I, it's like a, you know, modern day enlightenment kind of moment mm -hmm. that I feel like so many people crave. Because in many ways, I mean, to be able to like see behind the curtain or I don't know how to describe it, be the have the ego be quiet for a minute is almost like, um, yeah, I think recognizing the the authorship we all have in our brain. I mean, I talked a lot about on my show about the lens, like you can tell yourself a really bad story about today. You can tell yourself a really good story about today. And both are equally true at yeah. any given time. Yeah. And we very much script. It's so powerful to know that options there because when mm -hmm. you're in one, it, it obliterates the idea of that other option until someone points it out, like you pointed out. And, and then we go, Oh gosh. Yeah. And, and we really have to test it too, before we can even believe you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in many ways, I think a lot of, because it works both ways, kind of like what you described is like, it works in the present in how you experience every move moment that you move through in your life. It also works with the past in what, what kind of is encoding your energy or, or your voluntary energy as you move through life. And I think, I don't know, I always think about like that process of both backwards and forwards allows you to fully fall in love with reality yeah, in the truest sense. Cause mm -hmm. you're like, it just is, I don't have to do anything. It just is. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to control it. I don't have to change anybody. I don't have to judge other people. It takes so much responsibility off your plate. I'm like what a relief. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of my audience also like myself has a, or has, has an upbringing and a, a pattern of relating to others that many call codependency. Mm -hmm. And I think codependency is very intertwined with your tools just because so much of codependency is the pain caused by really expecting other people to do certain things a certain way and being very invested in what they think and feel mm -hmm. and what they should think and feel. Mm -hmm. um, so I was wondering if you could speak to a little bit just like how this either inquiry or the six judge your neighbor worksheet could apply to a person who's, let's say, in a relationship where they are painfully reliant on the responses of a partner. Yeah. To, um, to find a situation where that partner, where they're having difficulty with that partner, maybe, you know, they depend on them and the partner is not cooperating, but you know, to find a, a, a place where um, you were angry, uh, frightened, upset, um, and and then just identify what you were thinking and believing in that situation and fill in those six questions on the worksheet. Mm. It covers it all. It's it's um it's um that's all there is. You know, I'm blank because and uh, I want, I need, you should, you shouldn't, I don't ever want to. And that's what the ego offers up. That's it. 
And after the six questions, because I know you had a very instantaneous response when you were when you woke up and you were like, window, light. Like mm-hmm. it hit you, all the truth hit you at once and you couldn't unlearn it. For people who are... Well, I saw it wasn't true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and um, because and until it hit my head, it wasn't true. So a window is not my head. So it was it was just like the laughter came from, you know, it's like uh, it's a joke. It was a trick of mind. Life is a trick of mind. And mm-hmm. and um, yeah, so I know I. Yeah. Do you think that because I'm like picturing picturing just people I've worked with in the past and like I think there is the desire to let go of the story like the the desperate desire and then the physical response is where they get stuck yeah it's a part of how I react when I believe the thought mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then it's how do I react when I believe the thought he hit me for example I imagined he was going to hit me. Let's say he hit me three times. He hit me once. I imagine he's going to hit me again. And so I am hit before he hits me. Mm-hmm. And then he raises his hand and I see the past where he hit me. And I see the future where he's going to hit me again. And I'm terrified. Well, did he, am I frightened of him? Or is it my ego that is frightening me? Mm-hmm. I don't even, that makes sense when I say it that way. But it's it's what what I'm thinking and believing, what the ego is offering up of past future that is causing all pain is either remembered or anticipated. Mm, so true. I and mean, like so, 99.9% of it. Yeah. So when I have the thought, I want him to stop, then, you know, he didn't do it. Yes, he hit me. Yes, he hit me. But he didn't do the part that is traumatizing me. Right. Um, cool. I mean, it's funny because like. We're anticipating. It's, it's like. It's such a, it's, it's so simple, but it's also like your brain, almost like, you know it by heart, obviously, because you've done well, it times well, a million. I've got some, I've, I've done a few worksheets. <laughs> yeah. A lot of worksheets. Yeah. But it's, it's funny because you almost have to like, you have to, I keep having to teach my brain the qu- the equation and like realizing it. I've realized it. I don't know how many times now, but I'm like, oh, wow. It like finally clicks. But you're like reminding your brain to step back and see just the shape on the wall that's the window and not call it window just yet. That's kind of the stage that it's teaching people to, you know? Yeah. And there was no eye. There was no room. There was no there was no anything. And and then, you know, life appeared. And and, you know, I I've occasionally called it, you know, my first moment. It's mm. when I was born. I was born on the floor at age 43. <laughs> and, but, you know, but I can't say that 
I am any more alive than the light coming through the window, meaning it's all a state of mind. This is um, earth school where we come in just to pick up the pieces where mm-hmm. and and so this world is to me it's it's like it may sound strange to some but it's heaven it's a place where there's no downside no downside it's a place like earth school to learn that it's what i'm thinking and believing about the world that is costing me the privilege of living in this world Mm, so true so true um yeah and and so i feel like in many ways you're teaching people how to see reality and see the moment they're in well you know it's it's on it's if i say the word apple then you see an image of an apple and it's probably red and and when people on you know my mother said i'm your mother or my siblings said mom 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 and or ask your mother and uh, until finally it clicks that that's my mother and prior to that i didn't have one <laughs> didn't even know what it was so it's like this this identity came into being and but of mind not body and a body comes with it in earth school you know it's it's (laughs) cause and effect but when we're sleeping sleeping at night we're not dreaming we don't have a body there's no we there's no i Mm -hmm. yeah very profound and i think um well, one thing that happens, I think the one of the descriptions that I forgot which book it was in, but it was in one of your books. Your the process is very much like getting a car stuck in the mud, like pushing it back and forth in the mud to get it out of a rut. And I do think that made a lot of sense to me just because it's like in this process of looking at something, first of all, stepping back from it, then looking at it from all sides and turning it around, looking it upside down. It gives you enough space to see that all of that is optional and all of that is written in our minds we're just meditating in a moment in time when i was believing like he hurt me and there were a lot of moments there but i'm anchoring in that situation where he hit me and just asking those questions and answering the questions and um once you know once you get that is so far reaching you see and experience a kind of compassion that you cannot make fear happen again and the next time you think about it you know the same situation rises to your mind you can't make yourself afraid you can't make yourself Mm. you can't make your and your stomach doesn't turn over and your chest doesn't hurt you don't want you don't you know you don't feel like you have to vomit again you don't it changes everything Mm -hmm. wake up from that dream you can't make that dream a dream that's so true i that resonates so much because I feel like that is exactly the process 
uh, I mean, I very much preach therapy to my audience just because it worked really well for me. And I think think that is very similar to the what occurred for me in therapy was you're you're digging through that thing. You're sometimes reliving that thing. You're processing all of the conflicting feelings you have around it. You're trying on you're exposing guilt. You're taking about accountability. And through that process, it's like the wound just kind of gets exposed to air and then it doesn't hurt anymore. It's like, nope, I already got all the gut. I gutted all the the sickness out of that thing. Yeah. It loses potency. Yeah. Wow. And did you, I'm so curious when you were, so after your moment of enlightenment, I'm sure your kids were like, what's going on? (laughs) Did you have a mental break? What happened? Was it pretty much like, you kind of knew exactly what to do with this information or did it happen organically or how did it evolve into what it is now? I'm just so curious. Well, just really unrecognizable, uh, unrecognizable. Every, everything shifted. I mean, just being out of bed and dressing and showering and brushing my teeth. <laughs> who is that? But um, beyond the physical, you know, I, I picked up a cigarette and and it looked crazy to me (laughs) and it was like she's gonna what she's gonna what with what and I mean it was just it was just it was crazy so and my choices around food shifted everything started shifting and and um um yeah it was it was really radical because I got such a heavy dose Mm mm-hmm but it didn't stop me from, 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 it didn't stop the mind from putting this stuff out that I needed to, I called it undoing my world. And, and I saw it as a kindness and, and a respect that anything that would, that would anything powerful enough to make a world could it's just respectful to sit in and you know is it true can I really know that it's true and notice how I reacted and um who would be without it and and uh to meditate in those four questions and then how do I react when I believe the thought um it's it's I have a lot of you know I hurt people I said things, I did things, and no enlightenment is going to change that, even though I know it is a state of mind that it is not happening now wasn't enough. Those people that I said what I said and I did what I did that was hurtful, harmful, it showed me in in that worksheet as I said in those, it showed me specifically, just meticulously, what I said, what I did, specifically what to admit to, what to apologize for, mm. and how to make it right. It's it's just all there. It's all there. And you know, it had to be because it had to come out of that first experience on the floor. And it's, um, I just saw how the world was created and how to end it. So in that 
in the six mm-hmm. steps that gave you the opportunity to, in many ways, fall in love with reality, including the reality of what needed to be repaired. Does that? The, the, the six questions on the judge and neighbor worksheet showed me my thoughts, the thing I was, what I was thinking and believing in any given situation. So it's a meditative process. It's an exercise in stillness to be there now and collect what you were thinking and believing and write it down. And, and, um, and then the four questions, you go back and, and I would go back and use those with everything on my judge and neighbor worksheet. And then like, for example, um, I want him to stop how do I, you know, turned around, I want me to stop. And so it doesn't come up like something I have to do. It's an exercise in forgiveness. It's Mm -hmm. exercise in making it right. It is far from something I have to do. It's an exercise in kindness and compassion and self-love. That gives the world a kinder human being in me. Mm -hmm. continues to to um to um to show me how to live those worksheets because with that kind of of full dose on the floor I had no idea how to live mm-hmm. and and so those turnarounds you know they became life to me how to how to live like I want him to apologize for what he did you know, I I want me to apologize for what I did. And let's say I said or did something to hurt him, just this tiny, 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 tiny little thing. And his was a thousand folds, just much more than I could even begin to count. But no, Princess in the P again, I've got to take care of this one thing. And that mm-hmm. is... And it doesn't necessarily have to be with him, but with someone, you know, starting with myself, you know, I, it's, yep, yep, I did it. And, and how do I react when I believe the thought? Oh, it gets really egoic. It gets really, the ego just can, can just own us if we don't have a little, self-support and and way out because you know how do we take care of it otherwise through addiction addiction behaviors um um false identities i think a lot of people take on false identities because if you had if you hold on to it and you don't look at it you're kind of telling yourself it's true and then you script out your identity and things compound you know play out I'm not hurt mm-hmm. you know, and um, and that is just untrue so now we're just we're we're living something that's not true that's why I think sharing um, is so important you know having someone you know first with yourself then having someone you can you can share with which is what you uh, spoke to when you mentioned therapy or um, someone that understands or um, the 
12 step programs and mm-hmm. people's churches and people they trust and there's you know a good friend mm-hmm. absolutely yeah i mean i feel like you know it, the, almost you're almost reminding people of their own you know god-given rights birth-given rights to just exist without the stories or without the conditioning, well, the stories you told yourself without stories, somebody else told you. Well, and the stories continue to happen. It's just that, that there's no attachment to them. Mm-hmm. You, it's, they don't hold the power. You've questioned them and they're not what you thought they were. Mm-hmm. That person isn't who you thought them, you believe them to be. They're not just that. Mm-hmm. So much more people are everything they're they're kind they're not they're 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 trouble they're happy i mean we're you know there's no one that isn't like us mm-hmm. um one thing that came to mind just picturing um when you do get to this state of non-judgment, at least this is something I've found is that hard change gets a lot easier as well in including stuff that like, maybe we've been denying that we don't want, we think we don't want, you know, like accepting this person doesn't treat me well. I don't want to be with this person. And when we resist that, or when we are in our mind, arguing with reality and saying like, they should be doing this. They should be doing Like when we get into that controlling state, when we can go through the process of inquiry or just letting go of the judgment, I think what becomes really wonderful is a lot of healthy change opens up because all of a sudden you arrive at just what is, and it's not so bad. It just, things have to be done. It's not bad. Yeah. It just it allows you to correct maybe things that aren't working in yeah. your life. Yeah. Which I think is so profound. Yeah. Um uh I went, wanted to ask you about um when it comes to feelings of um grief. Do you feel that this work can still work for people or oh, do you- yeah. yeah. It's um grief is um is <laughs> you're not here for me. <laughs> that's mm. One of my children, let's say one of my children died. That's a big metaphor. I don't, you know, but I'll use it. I say one of my children died. And what is my grief about? You know, they're not going to be here for me. I won't see them again. Well, that's not true. I see them in my mind's eye. And just like I have three children, grand, I have grandchildren, and I see them in my mind's eye. You know, they, they, and and I'm assuming they're alive. But let's say one of them died, and I don't have the news yet. Where's my grief? But you know, something happens to one of one of them. Let's say death, and they're not going to be here to say, hi, mom. They're not going to be here to say, I love you, mom. They're not going to call me on the phone and say, mom, I need you to help me. You know, all, all the, all the things that, that we love. So, you know, grief is, um, 
yeah, it's a it's a big deal and a real thing. It's just not about that person that dot, you know, is and isn't. You know, the thing is, you know, about that person that died is I love that person, the end. That's it. I love that person. And and um that can never die. Mm -hmm. mm. that's why the work we're talking about is so important whatever way we find um, whatever whatever our inner work is it's so important um, because that's <sighs> yeah earth school. Earth school has your as you have gone through your career have you has it changed for you since the beginning or has it stayed pretty much the same just practicing this with people across the world um, could you ask it differently have you found uh that how you feel practicing this has deepened or has altered in the years that you've done it um you know i can't really say that what has radically shifted is my ability to articulate um, mm. um, my experience and um, and yeah, my experience. And, but, you know, for an agoraphobic, you know, as my life changed for an agoraphobic to all of a sudden be flying all over the world <laughs> by invitation and, and working with thousands and thousands of people and out of a fearless state of mind and tirelessly it seems it's um yeah that's quite a shift from someone that couldn't get out of bed yeah oh yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah you were born 43 obviously yeah I mean one thing that is or I feel like has slowly started to happen for me as I yeah my brain is just more comfortable thinking in this language. And then I'm also, I feel much more immediate or connected with people. Whereas previously I feel like I was too trapped in the judgment, but that's probably just, you know, a, a, a distance. Yeah, exactly. Self-protective thing. That distance is, um, is when I lost that on the floor. <laughs> oh, boy, the world is in me. Um, well, I am, I want to be respectful of your time. I feel like I could talk to you all day, but, um, I would love to remind people your, uh, website is the work.com. Is that correct? Um, byronkady.com or the work.com. Yeah. And I have a nine day school for the work. I didn't mention that to you. A nine day school for the work coming up in March. And it's, it is so radical amazing and the worksheets are those available on your website as well always free on the work.com and there's a 99 cent app too um work app and it's so good it's so good it's not like um um you know it it's an old one but it just does the job so well and but yeah on the work.com and then i have a, a helpline that um there are um, facilitators there that they don't charge money and they just support people just to kind of, I call it just 
kind of learn how to ride the bicycle. You know, they help them fill in the worksheet and and get them familiar with the four questions and turnarounds. And oh wow, amazing! Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine how many people in the world you've helped, but I'm sure it's exponentially growing. Well, one to the other to the other. It's it's a it's a it's a beautiful thing. Like you, you found something so valuable, and you just have to you just have to share it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I'm so grateful to have spoken with you, and you're a beautiful person. And I'm, I'm in, thank you very grateful for all your work. Well, thank you for your transparency and authenticity, and the way that you give. It really is extraordinary, and I appreciate you. Oh, thank you so much. In this world, honey. <laughs> well, um, I will be glowing for the rest of the week, thanks to you. Um, and I will put links to all of your, um, all the things you mentioned in the show notes of the episode. And um, thank you so very much, Byron Katie. Honey, I'm going to call you friend. This has just been just so sweet being with you. <laughs> Thank you, friend. All right. Well, have a great rest every week. I'll call you beloved. Oh, wow. I love it. <laughs> All right. Goodbye. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.